Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Recording in a progress. Progress? Or do you say progress or progress? Progress? Probably progress, I think. What I if you really want to if you're using it um, as uh, a verb? Well, the problem is I would say like progression and progress. Yeah. I have this argument with my girlfriend all the time about um, forum. She's like, it's forward. I'm like, yeah, but it's not forum. Forum. This is my forearm. That's why it's my forehead. Yeah. No, no, it's forward and forearm. No, that's not how the English language works. But it's apparently like, it is. That's the it's, problem. It's like kilograms. We say kilograms, kilograms. But we don't say kilograms, but we say kilometers. We do too. Yeah, yeah. we're cooked. Yeah. English that, is a fucked language. I'm very glad much I learned. So. I'm glad I learned it as a natural speaker and not as someone. Because yeah, the the amount of times you'd be like, you've just written the same word four times, but pronounced it four different ways. Like, yeah. What the fuck? Re- read and read. I saw a good one the other day that was like a sentence with heaps of read and read in it that you read in your head, and it uh, makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Fuck, aren't we glad we learned that all naturally? I wish I could speak more than one language. Mm. Likewise. I can speak uh, tidbits of lots of little things, and I know when I'm getting yelled at in Arabic, but that's about it. I can say like two beers, please, in a few different languages. Uh, yes. But because, you know, if there's anything to learn first, that's probably it. Uh, Euro trip, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears> so <throat> I don't know if you know this, Thomas, but Father's Day is just around the corner. And you Damn. probably need a gift for a hairy father in your life. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PICSPEAK at manscaped.com. And what I love about this is that it also gives you the ability to turn the 4000 kilowatt LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave you can now shave your balls in the dark, which is very important for me uh, because I have extreme body dysmorphia and prefer to do this in pitch black. So it's good to have my undercarriage strongly illuminated. Well, you can hate yourself and still get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code PIGSPEAK. Don't forget, you came from your dad's balls this year. Show you your original home some love with Manscaped. Oh, I'm still getting around the concept of talking about my father's balls. I forgot it was in there until I got to that sentence. And you know how when you read things and you're like a fraction of a step ahead? Yeah, I had to stop myself from laughing halfway through that read. Uh, amazing. There's been a bunch of people that have used the code. So keep using the code. It's really cool. You get 20% off. It's actually pretty big when you buy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you also get 20% off at the moment, I believe, still with our Peak Speak code from our good friends at Prism Coffee. They Amazing. are still slinging coffees out of their, what I can only imagine is an incredibly cold shipping container. Although it's got a giant <laughs> coffee roaster in it, so that probably warms it up. 
but uh, Canberra's just experienced our false spring every year at around this time of year. It gets mm-hmm. like beautiful in Canberra for a week. It's like 10 degrees overnight, 20 degrees during the day, no clouds, sunshine. It's amazing. Everyone starts fucking taking shirts off. And then a week later, it's six degrees and miserable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can imagine being in a giant shipping container roasting coffee could get pretty miserable too. Did, do they operate out of their full time or is that lockdown strategy? No, no, they, that's their roastery is a shipping container in, in the yard of, I think, Jono's like uncle's warehouse or something like that basically yes because uh, they don't you don't need a lot of space really mm. um so yeah because they all have jobs outside of prism i think that's just their easy location cheaper than renting a small warehouse or something like that yeah well thank you to the prison boys for keeping us caffeinated mm, it is the key we are burning through coffee at a rate of knots in my house at the moment <laughs> because we're both home and it's just like oh there's a good distraction from actually doing anything productive <laughs> Mm. When, when is your lockdown due to end? Uh, like the 2nd of September or something. Mm-hmm. But there's almost no way it's going to, I think, at this point. You guys still getting cases every day? Yeah, it, it seems to go up and down a little bit. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised if we're here for another couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Which sucks. It's just a bit shit. And having, yeah. I think, from my point of view, having gone from a week of solo lockdown to mm. two or three days of freedom and then back into lockdown again has really fucked me mentally. But, uh, mm. you know, we'll get through it. Yeah. So, I mean, and you're not in a, you're not in a unique spot in terms of being affected by this. No, not world. at all. No. And, you know, that, I guess that segues nicely into what we'd like to talk to Fuck, today. we're getting better at this. I know. It's only <clears> taken <throat> us like three and a half years. So we've we've um, uh, we've spoken about mental health on the show before. You had uh, Frank Quinlan, yes, who at on? the time was the CEO of Mental Health Australia. Now works yeah. the Royal Flying Doctors, but uh, yeah, yeah. So go back and have a listen to that chat. That was a good chat that you had with him back then. Um, but I mean, like this comes up time and time again. It's, it's especially pertinent now in terms of like. Uh, exactly what's going on with COVID and, and so many people being affected by this. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I've seen quite a few people lately um, raise the question of how, how involved you should get as a coach uh, in, your, in your lifter's mental health. And it's an interesting topic um, because like this, this um, uh, I mean, like the same concept applies to so many areas of what we do as coaches, just like, for example, injury, you know, how, how involved do we get in someone's injury um, mm. uh, from an advice perspective, from a questions perspective before we refer out to a, to a specialist. So well, it's a scope um, of practice discussion, basically. Absolutely. So it becomes a, a discussion around like, what is your lane and should you stay in it kind of thing? So wh- where do you sit on this? Like how involved should a coach be in a lifter's mental health? I think the... From my experience, there's definitely a gray area there Um, because of the nature of what we do and especially with powerlifting because so many people turn it into like it becomes the shining light in their life. This is my thing that gets me going. We started watching a Netflix show called The English Game about soccer in the 1700s in England and seeing like these tiny mining towns who like thrive on the fact that sport is their outlet. Mm. We were, Sim and I were discussing this as a parallel. Like it still happens, right? People 
lean on something like either following a sport or in a lot of cases like powerlifters being involved in a sport and, and training for and competing in a sport becomes this thing outside of what you do for a living that is the thing that you get fulfillment out of which i think is fucking great and it was for me uh, and training always will be and i think because of that it's very easy to then get murky around where the line of like discussing what you're doing in training happens uh to be versus how you're doing mentally and how those two sort of overlap because there's definitely overlap i think the nature of motivation and stuff like that is if you're not feeling mentally well then the physical health side of things when it comes to performance suffers Mm. i've had plenty of discussions with people over the however many years 10 years or something i've been a, a coach now uh about things around mental health but it's only ever in a like hey how are you doing talk to me about why there's this decrease in training performance I'm not having a, hey, this is your weekly mental health check-in discussion. How are you doing? Let's have a therapy session because I'm not a fucking therapist. Mm -hmm. And I don't pretend to be. And I think this is where I have a real problem with this is there are a lot of fitness professionals who seem to have got to a point where they feel like they know enough from a training practical end of things. And so they start trying to find some other aspect of performance in this very large umbrella term to hang their hat on Mm. so many of them are defaulting to things that start to look awfully like you're trying to be someone's therapist and much like injuries much like anything like that i've recommended people go and see therapists or mental health professionals before on numerous occasions because we've got to a point talking to someone and i'm just doing it from a I'm interested in you as a person and I care about you. Let's just have a discussion. I'll ask you some questions. How does that feel? What, you know, those sort of things. And we get to a point where I go, okay, cool. I can't give you any advice on this. I need you to go and see someone who's more mm. experienced and qualified than I am. Because mm. it's, yeah, real fucking easy for a bunch of coaches who think they've got the tools to help someone mentally. And I think... A lot of the time, those coaches perhaps are not as prepared or well-adjusted as they think they are in their own mental health, and I think that's when that becomes a problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head um, with your approach right at the start, which is essentially like our role as coaches remains the same. Our role as coaches mm. is to maximize the person's performance. Yep. Does physical health play a part in this? Yes. Does mental health play a part in this? Absolutely it does. Our role, as far as those things are concerned in terms of our scope, is just understanding that there may be a contraindication caused by these things. And then we bring it back in and say, okay, how do we then modify the lifters training to accommodate for what they're going through? Not how do we address that root issue? Because again, we're not fucking therapists. It's so far out of our role. And I think, I mean, like, like you said, inherently what we do is we get close, we form personal relationships with our, with our athletes with our lifters just because the nature of how a coaching relationship works um but you have to know uh, when and when is not the right time to uh, proverbially put your foot in it um in terms of practicing outside of your scope i mean it's a it's all well and good to engage in discussions and to to be there for someone but as soon as you start providing advice around stuff maybe maybe that's starting to get into really murky waters the tough thing is it is that like 
if I'm coaching you and I notice a dip in performance, I'm like, has anything changed? Are you sleeping well, blah, blah, blah. Everything's all good. And then it comes out, I'm, I'm experiencing some mental health issues. Then it puts us in this position. It's like, do I then engage with that and say, okay, what well, do you want to tell me what's going on? And then you open up Pandora's box and tell me all this stuff. I, I can't do anything with that. Like, I, that's, it's, you, you're going through stuff at your work and your relationship. It's not my role to give you advice. And really, it's so inappropriate for me to be doing that. And so for me as a coach, as far as I'm concerned, knowing that there's an issue there is a good thing for yes. us because then we can modify and change the, the training. Knowing specifically what's there that then becomes a personal choice based on your relationship with that client. And if you do go down that road, be very prepared to do exactly what John just said and say, hey, this is getting way beyond what I can understand. You need to go and talk to someone about it. Yeah. And and the way I've approached that, like I tend to lean closer to the side of like, hey, I, like I'm happy to just talk to you about it. But it's more in a... I'm here as a sounding board, maybe just to say like, okay, but what do you mean by that? Just so that they have an opportunity to talk to someone. Because a lot of people in this environment don't have anyone else to talk to about it. And For sure. as a coach, I think you can be there to, to talk to someone about it. The joke has always been that, especially being at like a PT in a commercial gym, you're like just a really cheap therapist. I've had sessions where the person did one set and then we spent the rest of the hour talking. And like, cool, they got something out of it and that's great. And I'm glad to be of service in that respect. And I'm happy to be a sounding board for people. Uh, the only the only time I'd ever offer any advice is not as advice, but in a, in a frame of like, okay, well, I've experienced this before. Here's some strategies I've used with success for myself. Mm -hmm. you know, like things like journaling and like just being outside and, and different things that are really like low level pieces of advice that are the same sort of advice I give to people about nutrition. You know, like I'm not a nutritionist. I am probably the worst person in the world to take nutrition advice from, but I know that like maybe you should eat more vegetables and maybe less burgers. Like that's reasonably, yeah, like, I don't know. If it fits your macros, it fits your macros. It's fine. Um, the fuck is a macro? Yeah, uh, but it's I feel the same about mental health stuff as I do nutrition, right? Like there are just they are things that I understand as having an influence upon my scope of practice and a significant increase. In, uh, sorry, influence in both respects. I know enough about them to know that I don't know enough to give real advice. So mm -hmm. the only thing I talk about is from my own experience. This is when I've gone through times where I have felt anxiety around a particular thing here's how i've approached it and that's as far as i'll take that conversation because mm. it's as far as i'm comfortable going uh i think too many people try and fix everything about what that person's doing like you said the, the only thing i can fix is the training load like in the end what we do is fucking sets and reps right like it's not that it's not that broad in terms of practice that you can willy-nilly go around giving people mental health prescriptions. Because if you do, I think you're probably a bad person because you are probably significantly underqualified to do that mm. and potentially risking way more harm than good. For sure. I had a story of, I can't remember who it was, but it was someone who I was coaching who was telling me about a PT that they had. And they, like this person had just mentioned in passing as part of our like pre- training questionnaire thing that they were taking uh, SSRIs like antidepressants 
cool that's as much as i need to know like i just want to know that that's there because yeah then we can just factor that into the process right but that's that's all the information i need i don't need anything beyond yes you're taking these meds cool no worries uh you're seeing a doctor you're managing it great but i had this person had said this to a previous pt and then had the pt be like oh cool we'll we'll work to get you off those it's like what the fuck are you talking about Mm. and this is just like a random commercial gym pt right which is bad enough in itself i think the problem with the coaching world that you and i run in is that we're probably all at least a step or two above your average entry level globo gym pt right i'd like to think that most of the coaches that listen to us rattle on regularly are probably slightly above average in terms of learning skills those sort of things Mm-hmm. But it then the default seems to be because of that, you feel like you can then take on this next more mm-hmm. intense thing. It's still just fucking sets and reps. <laughs> like it's, it's the same shit. You're probably just better at justifying what you're doing. So maybe just shut the fuck up and let them do sets and reps. <laughs> to, to hearing that, my, my prayer, my hope is that that PT got SSRIs confused with like NSAIDs. <laughs> like you got got uh, you know mental health medication confused with fucking voltaren like, problem yeah, we'll is get, i don't, we'll I, don't think, I don't think i don't think they did i know, like i genuinely I know, i'm think, just hoping this is yeah, what I'm playing, I, that's what i'm saying in my head i think it's much like those people that share the um there's a meme that floats around that's like uh, a picture cut in half and on one half is a forest and on the other half is like a pile of pills and it's like this is antidepressant medication this is chemicals or something like that it's like oh my god you people do not fucking understand how this works <laughs> just stop it you're making it worse for everyone exactly so to, to be completely real and vulnerable um i uh a- as an adult haven't experienced too much drama up until you know like four or five years ago so like um i got introduced to psychology in terms of you know going to see a psychologist um for the first time in 2018 i did a run then and i'm, I'm currently doing a run right now uh so the government gives um 20 subsidized sessions and i'm i'm going through the 20 subsidized sessions at the moment um and i see a, a great deal of, of value in that and i guess one thing that i noticed about the whole process is um uh how little how little there is on what's going on and how much there is on being introspective and helping you find your own conclusions and that's yes. kind of that's the kind of the process that i'll take if i find myself in these discussions with people is i'm not offering i'm not even offering uh you know um i'm not offering advice in any way shape or form because i know that that's not what i can do and not mm. what i'm going to do and not what i'm allowed to do um if i'm able to get into a discussion or i end up in a discussion like this uh, generally, that's what I'm doing is just asking this person's questions, giving them an ear, asking them questions that help them reflect on whatever they're going through. Um, yeah. without it's the same to, thing you do with the training process. Without trying to extract information. Yeah. Specifics, it's, you know. It's the same. Like I, I have basically the same discussion with someone whose training performance is suffering to someone who comes to me saying I'm not doing well mentally. It's like, okay, well, what's changed? You know, what's different? Like, let's unpack some things and just help you and like you said bounce those questions off yourself and be able to do that because as a person i think i'd do an okay job of being introspective when i fuck up and when something's going wrong but i can see value in having someone to bounce those questions off and i think that's the problem with a lot of these pts and coaches is they're instead of 
starting with that and then referring out they start with that and go okay well here's how we can fix all of these things like you've just crossed over that line that takes it from just being there to be an ear for someone which like a good friend can do you know Mm. like that's that's the sort of approach i think it needs to be from a coaching perspective is you're basically just being a sounding board for the person Mm. to let them answer their own questions because i think that's a good coaching philosophy anyway like nine times out of ten when someone comes to me with a question about like oh should i do this or this i just ask questions until they figure out the answer themselves Hmm. and i think that it's basically the same thing like that's how i treat it at least in my head is i'm i'm not trying to fix it i'm trying to just ask pertinent questions to maybe help you recognize something that's happening behind the scenes that's influencing what's going on yeah i think um you know it outside of just the mental health and even going into the general health space in terms of you know especially strength powerlifting coaches practicing outside of their scope there seems to be this desire to add more perceptive value um by doing this it's like Mm. you know in uh, even things like send me your blood work send me your blood pressure send me send me all of this stuff it's like what 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 is that achieving? I mean, it's it's almost creating this false sense of security that this this client is getting more value out of the process. But is the person on the end that's delivering this advice qualified to do so? Mm. Um, and I, you know, I feel like mental health kind of falls into this space. It's like, are people now in check ins asking more and more about like, how are you feeling? What happened this week? What's going on in your personal life? Or whatever you know that they may be asking to extract this information. Is it this perceived value add that is actually um, you know, potentially quite a negative thing because it's way outside of the scope of the coach. Yeah. I I use questions like, uh, like, what did you do well this week? What didn't you do well? What's your focus for next week? Those sort of things that are questions that I don't use. Like, I'm not using it from a mental health standpoint. I'm trying to proactively engage the person in reflecting upon their own performance mm. so that they can make changes that positively influence their performance. And for me, that's where... Uh, like you know training data is useful right the problem with mental health is it's hard to quantify for sure so instead of being able to use you know like something like someone's blood pressure or someone's resting heart rate uh like i've never asked someone for blood pressure and i don't think i ever would uh but like resting heart rate if you're someone like me who wears a garmin watch 24 7 and can and can just pull that number out once a day cool that's actually really interesting to just look at from a trends perspective i'm not trying to like i guess if someone's in a position where they want to be fitter and and more uh be able to perform better in an aerobic sense then yeah obviously we're going to be doing things to try and influence that as a marker but for the most point i'm using it to track trends like have Mm. a look at how you responded last week versus this week those sort of things and i think that's one of those things with mental health like i have a a pre-training questionnaire that's built into our spreadsheets one of them's like mood you know like one to five five is you feel amazing one you feel like shit i don't actually care that much how you feel on any given day what i'm looking at is a trend like if you have three days in a row where your mood is one and your performance is obviously suffering cool i'm gonna have a conversation like hey Mm. is there something going on here that's having an influence upon your training performance and like you said earlier how can we modify the training stimulus to account for that because in some cases like oh yeah i'm going through a divorce cool let's have a discussion about like 
maybe you need to deprioritize training a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. you need to drop a training. Like those sort of things that are not about, hey, I'm going to help you work yourself through this divorce, but instead, hey, I'm going to make sure you're making the best possible progress you can given these circumstances beyond your control. You know, it's... Yeah. And yeah. like, what if what a fucking huge benefit for someone's mental health, having something that they love and care about outside of the other shit that's happening in their life, being under full control and continuing to provide satisfaction. Like our role as coaches is to satisfy people's mental health in that way. And yeah. we can do a damn good job of it if we if we get good at listening. We don't have to try and value add by going too deep down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and being able to modify training stimulus to give people the small wins, you know, like those sort of things, being able to frame a discussion around what, this training performance means and why why it's not a bad thing or why it's just a trend that we can work back against or those sort of discussions i think that's the value is not in having a discussion about this person's mental health and how you can help them but instead helping them see the positive in what could potentially be a really rough time for them in that Mm -hmm. thing that they love, right? Like being able to see progression when maybe it looks like progression isn't there. I know we've had this discussion about like measuring progression when it's not necessarily just the number on the bar going up. Things like that are where I think you can influence someone, positively influence someone's mental health rather than trying to have, like trying directly to influence someone's mental health instead of sort of secondhand influencing their mental health. Mm-hmm. yeah i don't actually have a great deal that to add on the topic i think this one's pretty short and sweet yeah yeah i i tend to agree i think there's a time and a place for elongated discussions and this one maybe isn't it <laughs> yeah I, I definitely i definitely would like to end on a note though like again we are in we are in pretty hectic times and and people um you know despite all the fucking social media hoo-ha people are responding to the circumstances uh, in a variety of ways and i think it uh, would be pertinent to just slip in here that you know if you know someone who's in one of these areas that keeps getting locked down check in on them see how they're going you don't have to be a specialist but you know checking in and having a, a chat to someone can can really uh, make a huge difference to how they're feeling on any given day yeah it can be as simple as that i think there's a lot of people who in this scenario will go and post some fucking re-shared thing about like my door always being open and the beer's always been cold in the fridge and like just reach out don't you know you don't have to do this alone i think sometimes that's all bullshit because as someone who's never experienced like a diagnosed mental health issue but certainly experienced some low times i didn't want to fucking reach out to anyone I actively ignore people's messages and don't get back to people. But being proactive about reaching out to people is actually where I think the value is. Saying you're there for someone is all well and good, but actively reaching out to people, I think, is where it matters. Amazing. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Goodbye. (laughs) 